Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be here today. Our hearts are filled with joy. Those of us, last, Lord, that last evening were able to listen to Eileen share the testimony of what the Lord has done in her life, left here refreshed. We left here encouraged. We left here admonished. We left here provoked to be busy in the kingdom. We're thrilled to see that yet today thy spirit works, that thy arm is not shortened, and that the day of grace is still available for those that will answer the call. So today, Lord, we ask a special blessing on Eileen, that this morning service and the baptism that will take place in the laying on of hands might be something that leaves a deep impression in her heart and in her soul that will help her realize in an even deeper measure the love that you have for her. For each of us, Lord, that are here this morning that have been through this same experience, we pray that it might be a reminder of the love of a father, the gift of his son, and the power of his spirit. Those, Lord, that have not yet answered the call, we pray that this morning might tug deeply on their heartstrings, that they might see something that will realize it, that they will realize in their own lives is missing, and that they too will desire to be where Eileen is on this day. Lord, speak to all of us and reveal thy perfect will. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, I have selected uh, for this morning's service Romans chapter 6. Very familiar servant uh, passage. One that is probably used for more baptisms than any other. Um, but one that takes us through the whole experience of what's necessary in the life of a child of God. So Romans chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Wherefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with, with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion, over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, 
Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your enemies as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked, that ye were the servants of sin, but, have, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto the members' iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness, unto holiness." For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants of ho unto holiness, and unto the end everlasting life, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear ones, there's a, there's, there are a couple key themes throughout this, this chapter, and, and it's themes that, that's also surfaced in Eileen's testimony last night. So with the Lord's help, I want, to, I want to meditate on this chapter and then bring in things that we, those of us that were here last evening, heard, him, heard her say about her experience of growing in the Lord, coming to the Lord and growing in the Lord. One of the things that we realize right at the beginning of this chapter is that the Apostle Paul is saying there should be a newness of life. Something has to change. We can't be the way we were. And there was a change in Eileen's life. Eileen talked last evening about her first decision to come to the Lord at age 14. And she talked about the struggles that, that, in, that went through her life from that point on and that how for years she tried to win God's love. She tried to do things that would, that would make her acceptable to God. But she also said that when she came here, a fog was lifted and she could see that what was needed in her life and that was available for her was the power of the Holy Spirit to give her victory over sin. And she also learned that we can't earn God's love. While we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of salvation was laid, the scriptures tell us, so that even before we were created, God knew that mankind would choose sin and that a redeemer would have, there would need to be a sacrifice. And the son part of the Godhead 
said, I will be the sacrifice. I will go and offer myself for them so that they can be redeemed. It will be my blood that will cleanse them from all unrighteousness. I will be the way. I will be the bridge between the lost and found. I will be the one that breaks the chains of Satan. I will be the one that will bring life to them before we even were. All of us had to come to that realization just as Eileen did. And she realized that there were three things that needed to change. In anyone's life that comes to the Lord, three things need to change. The first is a change of mind. The second is a change of heart. And the third is a change of life. Now the interesting, dear ones, and my friend outside of Christ that you need to know is that only one of those three things we can do, and that's a change of mind. When we are lost and when we recognize that there is a separation between the Father and us, when, when, the, when, when we realize that there is a broken relationship between the Creator and the creation, our bodies yearn for that. We yearn to be reunited with the Father. We, we yearn to have the garden restored in some measure. We as the, crea- as the creation desire to walk with our Father in the cool of the evening, and we don't know what's wrong. And at some point, the Spirit reaches out and says, this is what's wrong. Mankind has fallen. Mankind has chosen to separate itself from God, beginning back with our first parents. And it's easy for us to say, well, our first parents did it, so why are we held accountable? Because if, we, if they hadn't done it, we would have. Because man loves darkness rather than light. But God reached out. He tugged on our heartstrings, brothers and sisters, didn't he? Just as he did to Eileen. And what I love about Eileen's story was at the age, the tender age of 14, she begins this journey to the master. And she had troubled years. Years that I'm sure when she wondered where God was. Wondered when she, she couldn't figure out what was wrong in her life. But God never let her go. God continued to work in her life and had prepared for her. There would be an evening or a time, a day, when she would meet Brian. And Brian and Brian's friend would say, why don't you come? Come to my church. She came to the church thanks to his efforts. In in this place, God was able to lift the fog and give her the rest of the story so that she could understand the power of God. But it started with a change of mind. And the only thing, dear ones, that we can bring is that change of mind. And then comes a change of heart. And what's wonderful about the change of heart that I love about it is we can't do that. God doesn't expect us to change the heart. He does that. When we get to that point where the Apostle Paul um, he talks about, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how should we, our dead to sin, live any longer there? When we realize that there has to be this change that's going to have to take place, something is broken, we can't get there. The Spirit comes and changes the heart and crucifies sin 
in our lives. This beautiful transformation takes place. We don't do it. We can't do it. But we have to get to the point where we are sick and tired of sin. When we realize that I can't go on this path anymore. I I remember, and I've shared this with you, but some of you may not have heard it. I remember the night in my life when when I got to that point. And I know that there were people that thought I was repenting for years. I wasn't. I was in regret. I was in reformation. I was not in repentance. But there was one night, and I rem- it was a hot August night out at the lake, and, 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 and the, the, the house that my parents were, were blessed to have for some years, um, I was so selfish that when they bought the place, when I think I might have been 15, I decided I was going to pick the best room. So they said, what room do you want? And mom and dad had picked their room, and and I quickly jumped in, and I want this room. And then my brother and sister picked what was left. Well, you know what was wrong with the room I picked? And it served me right. All the windows except for one were like at this height, which meant when you laid in bed, there was no cool breeze that ever hit the bed. All the other rooms, the windows were down at like just below mattress level so that the cool breezes would go through. But God knew that I need to sit in a sweltering hot room alone with my sin and away from my Savior. And I remember that night dropping on my knees and saying, God, I can't do this. Finally, I got to a point where there was a change of mind. It's not working. And I need to let you do this. And then he came and he got to work. And I had gotten to a point where I was willing to let him change my heart. And dear ones, then the next one is a change of life. Well, the change of heart can only come by the power of the Spirit. So can the change of, the change of heart only comes from the power of the Spirit. So is the change of life. We can't change our own life. I, try, I tried. And I fooled many of you. Well, not many of you. You probably all were, were, more sh- were sharp enough to know back then. M- many of those that aren't here anymore, um, I, I clearly fooled. They thought I was in repentance. I wasn't. I, again, I was in regret. I was in reformation. I was trying to make it look right. But all of a sudden, the life started to change. And you know what? People noticed. People saw it. And they didn't see me. They saw him working in me. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Those things that I couldn't stop doing, I had victory over. The things that I wanted to do, but I didn't, I just made it look like I did, began to come forth as a natural outgrowth of the new birth that was taking place within me. One of the things that was interesting, that, and, and Eileen, you didn't, you didn't get to hear it because we had excused you, but when I asked the, the, the congregation if they wanted to share something, and Ev, I hope you don't mind me saying it, but it was so beautiful the way you said it, was I had asked her, when, I, when Eileen confessed to have peace with God and, and wanted to get to this point here, I, was, I typically would reach out to family members. Well, we don't have that, that, that privilege with Eileen, so I reached out to those that might know her best, and I reached out to Ev. And the way, what Ev said last night was this. She didn't know what to tell me because she wasn't able to see this transformation because 
she hadn't been around Eileen that long and was only seeing her in church and bringing her. But she said, what do we go for when we want to find out is the, is a person, um, is the Holy Spirit indwelling a person? We look for the fruit of the Spirit. And when she considered Eileen, she said she could check off one after another the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what I want to remind you folks is she was not saying I was checking off the fruit of Eileen. She was checking off the fruit of the Spirit within Eileen. It's not Eileen. It's God working in her and through her that is testifying of these things before us. Knowing this, again, that your old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, the old nature is gone. Now, there was, there, there was a brother in our church years ago when, when, when I was a teenager, Brother Otto Fisher, and I know you've heard other brothers say this from the pulpit, but Brother Otto Fisher used to say you have to starve that old nature to death. We have to keep him down because he will try to come back. And there are verses in here that, that we'll get to that talk about how we do that. But, but the, old, the old sin nature is finally crucified. It is broken. It is deadened. And we need to keep it that way. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But then, and I love this. Um, For he that is dead is freed from sin. I was listening to a sermon yesterday while I was doing some work around here, and, and I had, I had, the Lord had led me to Romans 6. And so I decided I was going to find out how many older sermons could I find pre, that were preached on Romans 6. And believe it or not, I found three right off the bat. And one of the, one of the baptismal services, the brother focused on this freed from sin. And he told a story. He told a story of a young man. This is, it's a Mansfield story. So the, the Mansfields are going to be able to resonate with this one. Um, young man who actually grew up down the street from the brother that was having the service um, had gone to Arizona to get away from his past. And while he was there, he came under the conviction of the word, and he realized that one of his restitutions he had to make was to confess to committing a burglary with a weapon. So he did. The sentence in the state of Ohio for committing armed robbery is prison. Imagine that, dear ones. So he came home to Mansfield to confess his crime. He was freed from sin. And now is the time when, how are we going to deal with this legal thing? But he confessed the crime. And it was in the papers. And all of a sudden, um, one day, um, Uncle George and, and Brother Tony Betts, Brother Jim's grandpa, were going to go and speak on this young man's behalf of the change that had taken place in his life. And Uncle George said, when I got to the courtroom, the, the media was there. This was big news. Young man confesses a crime. And, how he, so, and the, the neat part was that, that Uncle George and Brother Tony were able to confess to the judge as to what happened in this young man's life. And the, and the judge said, I completely agree and believe what you're telling me. 
But the law says the boy goes to prison. And the boy went to prison. And he was allowed one visit a week. And his pastors made sure they showed up every week. But he had to serve his sentence. God freed him from sin, but there was still a price he had to pay. But there was that day then when he could be freed from jail. My friend, outside of Christ, you realize the prison that you're bound by. The sadness about the prison of sin is oftentimes we miss it. We don't see it, but it's there. And there's a way to test as to whether or not you're, you're in prison. Try to change. Try to break the chains. Try to stop doing the things that you think are fun. And you'll find out you are in prison. But Romans 6 says we can be set free. So let's move forward being set free. Uh, now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That's the beauty of the believer's life. Dear ones, if there were no heaven and there were no hell, I would still choose to be a believer because the life of a believer is far more fulfilling, far more peaceful, far more enjoyable, far more rewarding than any life this world can offer. And every day that I get older, and you all see I am getting older, it becomes more real to me. There is nothing this world can offer that can compare with being alive in Christ. Perfect? No. And we'll get to that in a minute. But definitely alive. In Our life has purpose. Our life has meaning. And when we go through the same struggles that everyone else in the world does, we have a hope, and not just a hope, but a lively hope, a living hope, we have someone that travels each step of the journey with us, regardless of whether there's anyone around us or not. We've got young couples who are engaged. The Lord is active in their lives, putting together that, that what will be a beautiful three-chord union. Imagine going through life hoping you were going to make the right decision rather than letting the Lord make it for you. Careers, letting him direct our careers. It's homes, letting him direct where we buy homes. It is so much better to live a life as a believer. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death no more, hath dominion over you. For in that he died once, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now listen to verse, uh, verse 11 is critical for Eileen and for all of us that are believers. Likewise, reckon yourselves, yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does reckon mean? It says come to grips with the fact and focus on the fact and think on the fact that we need to be dead to sin. And we need to continue to be dead to sin. And we need to starve that sin nature that continually, so long as we are in this flesh, this flesh and blood, blood craves sin. But Christ 
died to, forget our, to, to forgive us of our sins and rose, went back to heaven so that the Spirit could come and empower us, transform us, so that we need not serve sin. We don't need to give in to those temptations. And when we do, it's not the Spirit's fault, it's ours. Because we have not availed ourselves of the power that is there. And then verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. So what he's saying is it's, there are going to be times as humans when this sin creeps back in. We, we dare not let it reign in our mortal bodies. And one of the things that you've heard me say before, but I always say at a baptism, is all of the skills needed to live a vital, vibrant life in Christ we learn when we come to the Lord. And, and Eileen talked about them last night. There's a conviction of sin. There is a repentance from sin. And repentance is not regret. It's turning around. It's saying, no, I'm not going this path, I'm going that way. And she talked about what happens when she senses that and she asks God's forgiveness. And if I've wronged one of you, I have to ask your forgiveness as well. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. That's the vibrancy of a church. When, we, when we're struggling and we open up, we become vulnerable with each other and we can pray for each other because we're all, none of us are gonna be on a, on a, on a high plane all the time. Our, our, our spiritual walk is always gonna be mountains and valleys. But the beauty of a brotherhood is that we're not all in the valley at the same time. Verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Yielding, allowing my body, allowing myself to be a, an instrument of unrighteousness. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And then he goes on to say, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. There's no question in what Paul is telling our brothers and sisters in Rome that there is no excuse for sin. None whatsoever. Sin separates us from God. Know ye not, verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. What a blessing. And being made free from sin brings with it this, again, this, 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 change, of, this, this change of heart we're set free from, we change our mind. We choose to answer the call. That's the change of mind. Just answer the call. Give Christ a try. He won't let you down. If you wonder where he's there, ask him to reveal himself to you. I, I, I always put a challenge out to my friends outside of Christ. Just let God prove what he can do. And if you'll do it honestly, you are in for an amazing experience. Because you would be the first that he would not care about. And think about that. We think, well, you know, I'm, I'm too far gone. Really? Too far gone? God himself, in the form of a man, 
left glory to come to earth. So what is glory? Well, we can tell, I can tell you this, that eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. What is that that love him? Heaven. So we can't even comprehend how amazing it is. But Christ left that to take on the form of filthy humans, to bear the sin of the world that you can be redeemed. Why would he put qualifications on it and say everybody but you? It doesn't make sense. So Christ allows the sh his shed blood to be shed so that we can be cleansed, goes back to courts of glory so the Spirit can come. And the Spirit working in us reunites us with the Creator. And, and, and the separation, the, the absence of peace is no longer there. Sin separates. When, when sin is gone, there's union with God. And so we, all of a sudden, we experience peace with God. I remember struggling with peace for a long time. Last night, I, I, I shared with the, with the group, and I, because and I, Sister Evelyn and I were baptized on the same weekend. And I was the last to give my testimony because I was the last to be announced. And the reason I was last to be announced was I didn't have faith. Let me explain what I mean by that. The transformation work that Christ did through the power of the Spirit in my heart didn't take long at all. Did not take long at all. It began on that night, that August night, in the 1895 Otisco Valley Road in the, the nicest room with the worst airflow. And that transformation was completed, in my opinion, on the night when the Lord said, you need to go confess your sins. And I'm thinking, how can I do that? Because I'm going to have to go to my dad and confess my sins. I think it would have been easier to go to Uncle Philip, but he was gone. Uncle Philip was already resting in the bosom of Abraham. And there was a battle that night, dear ones, in my room. Now the third, not at the lake, this was our house. Now the third bedroom that I had in that house. Because as soon as my siblings left, I, I moved to the better rooms. Nicer rooms, better airflow. I learned my lesson. And the devil said, you can't. There's no way you can. And the Spirit said, yes, you can. It was like there was this battle taking place. And finally the Spirit said to me, there is nothing that will physically stop you from going down two flights of stairs because your father's still up. And I went down the steps, and there were a couple things I needed to share with him. And I had finally come to the point where I had surrendered everything to the power of the Spirit. And I wish I could have said, I had peace, because I would have been one of the first in that watery grave that day instead of the fifth. So what took so long? I didn't believe it. I didn't believe the work was done. You see, if I steal something from Brother Urs, and the Spirit says to me, 
when I'm in my repentance and I'm, and I'm making restitutions, you need to go and make right with Brother Urs that thing you stole. Give it back, pay him for whatever it is. And I do that, and I say, Brother Urs, would you forgive me? He says, yes, and I hear him. If I have wronged Brother Rod and I've spoken ill of Brother Rod, and I go to Brother Rod and I say, Brother Rod, I'm so sorry. It was wrong for me to say this. I ask your forgiveness. He would say, oh, Dave, praise God that you're going through this in your life. No need to ask. Absolutely, I forgive you. But when I sin against God, and he says, I forgive you, I can't hear him audibly say it. He says it in here, and I have to believe it. It's that simple. But for me, I didn't believe it. I kept thinking there was more. I kept thinking there was something missing. I kept thinking, if I just, if I just make this restitution again, if I just do this again, if I spend, if I spend more hours in prayer, I'm going to somehow get to a point where I earn God's forgiveness. No, God forgave me because I had followed his prescription for forgiveness, confession, forsaking. He was there to forgive. He had already forgiven. I didn't believe it. Thankfully, I got to a point where I could, in simple faith, just believe that, yeah, I don't deserve it, and I can't earn it. But he has changed me. And others are seeing it. The fruit of the Spirit within me is there. And if the fruit of the Spirit is there, and if I can get on my knees and and come before my Father and just pour out my heart, and I realize there's no separation between us, that is peace with God. I was expecting, you know, clouds to open. I was expecting lightning to strike. I was expecting some moving experience, and God was just saying, no, just Just believe me. And he did give me a hymn, a simple hymn that I could open up to in, in the Zion's harp that was the confirmation. And the other confirmation was when I was asked, so are you ready to be announced? And without hesitation, the words came out, yes. So my friend, if you're struggling with this peace thing, if you're struggling with where are you in your journey to the Lord, And you've done what the scripture says. Just believe. That's all.